Amen. Can you believe Thanksgiving coming up? Traditions, routines. You know, one of the things we used to do when I was younger, and I didn't like it at all, but before we would, you know, all the food, it takes days for, to prepare all this, minutes to devour it, <laughs> hours to clean it up. But you show up and you're hungry and you sit at the table with family and family and friends. And my parents used to do a thing where they, before we could eat, we all had to go around and say something we were thankful for. I hated that. I'm just being honest. I was, when you're in high school, you're like, really? And now you got to figure out what you have to say, and you don't want to say something stupid. And you're trying to, you know, and you, so you're working on making something up, I guess. What, you, what are you thankful for? And in my family, you know, I have two sisters and a, and a brother, and we're pretty competitive and honorary, and we have fun with each other. So usually somewhere in the mix, someone will say, I'm just thankful that my parents love me better than my brothers and sisters, <laughs> that I'm the favorite in the family. I mean, what do you do with stuff like that? But, you know, it's important to take pauses and take moments and to give God thanks, be grateful. David says it more than one time. Give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. And I believe that was a revelation he got from being in the presence of God. My dad used to say you can learn from your own mistakes or the mistakes of others. So if it wasn't from being in the presence of God, and I believe that's a big part of it, he could look quickly and easily at the story of Israel. So when God delivered them out of Egypt through Moses and was taking them to the promised land, the promised land, getting to the place of promise, and I believe every New Testament promise out of this new covenant is your promised land. Amen. 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 It might be a, the promise of blessing or healing or peace or whatever it is, but if it's in the New Testament and it's a promise, it's out of the covenant of the blood of Jesus, it belongs to you. Amen. And the journey to the promised land is not always quick and easy. Can I get an amen? amen. Hebrews 11 tells us that, you know, I mean, through faith, and, excuse me, Hebrews 6.12 tells us through faith and patience they inherited the promises of God. There's a patient factor to the journey. Yes. And what Israel didn't realize is that the God who delivered them was also the God who was providing for them and also the God who was going to protect them and bring them to the place of promise. And yet they begin to think from a different perspective, and the Bible says that they begin to complain. Can you imagine the audacity of complaining? You just saw what God did to Egypt, who was at the time the, most, the richest and the most powerful country, nation on the planet. They had conquered the known world. And God turned them into dust, basically. They walked out of that place after 400 years of praying for a deliverer, and God defeated every, everything that they held dear. If you go back, and this is an interesting study, every one of the plagues that God brought on Egypt was literally against one of the gods that they prayed to. They had... They had, a, they had an idol that they worshipped that was for water. God said, okay, I'm going to turn that into blood. Let's see what your, your God will do yeah. to let them know that there's only one true God. Yeah. So he went through, because you have to wonder, why didn't God just do one thing and, uh, and then get them out of there? He kept, the Bible says he kept hard, hardening Pharaoh's heart. Why? Because he wasn't done doing something. He was like, if I, if I let them out now, they're going to go back and start praying to these other ones. So I'm going to take care of each one at a time. And he did. And then the Bible says that when uh, Pharaoh finally said, okay, you can go. 
God said, okay, we're going, but we want all the gold too. So they not, he not only defeated what they, their, their foundation, what they believed in, also they released, gave up all of the gold. So here comes Israel leaving the most powerful nation in the world, having destroyed their whole theological system that they believed in false gods, taking the riches, they were the richest country on the earth, and the Bible, in transition, as they were leaving, it says not one feeble person left, which means that everyone overnight, somehow, in a moment, was healed. Amen. It didn't matter if you were 13 and sick or 130, I guess, and sick. There wasn't a sickly person amongst them. So God's delivered them. Their clothes didn't wear out. Can you imagine having shoes as you're walking and doesn't wear out, clothes didn't wear out? They, they're carrying gold. They're moving toward the promised land. And yet they continued to see what they had not received yet and complained about it. Right. And they begin to say, did God bring us out of here just so we die? Why don't we go back? Because the old cliche is it's one thing to get Egypt out of, excuse me, it's one thing to get Israel out of Egypt. It's another thing to get Egypt out of Israel, right. out of their heart, out of their thinking, out of their mindset. The reason I bring that up, and they found that there was a their problem, that as they continue to complain and not be grateful and thankful, that all of a sudden it opened up uh, demonic activity where snakes would come out and begin to bite them. But God still delivered them and healed them after that. Amen. We serve a merciful God. Amen. Do you hear me? We serve a merciful God. Just in case the devil's telling somebody, okay, that sin you did last time, God hates you and he'll never forgive you. No, 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if you repent, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Can I get an amen? amen. See, I serve a good God. But there's a principle of learning the importance. It's just not being correct or politically correct or the nice thing to do. There is a spiritual importance to learning to give thanks to God for what he's done and who he is in our life. And today I want to zero in on one specific, and we're not going over a lot of different, because there's a lot of different benefits. You know what I mean? But I want to talk about one specific thing that I believe will help us, all of us, because this is called life. Jesus said, in this world, you'll deal with trials and tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome. So challenges come, do they not? The Bible tells us that we're to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, to put on the full armor of God. And in that full armor, one of those pieces is the, the shield of faith. And it says that that shield of faith will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And one of the things I've noticed in life and ministering to people is that usually when the enemy tries to hit you, one, he never gives you a three-day notice. Right. But there's, there's a two-part to an attack. One is the blow. So if you're holding up a shield and you feel the arrow hit it, the blow, the impact, usually that's in a very emotional time too, right. overwhelming time. It can be a surreal, sensory overload time. And the devil will try to get you to react in the midst of that moment. And I would encourage you, never react in the moment. Stand your ground. Amen. But there's this other side. It's a fiery dart. And the part of the fiery dart is that it's supposed to create a lasting effect. Because you can pull the arrow out, but the fire tries to consume stuff. And one of the areas that I believe that Thanksgiving helps us is in this area of the fire. Let me say it this way. If we're not careful, the storms of life will shape our perspective in life. If we're not careful, the storms of life will shape our perspective in life. Here, let me help y'all. You, you two are just really going at it. You're walking around. She's throwing perfume. 
I'm going to be praying for you two in a minute. If we're not careful, the storms of life can shape our perspective of life. And we'll begin to see life from the filter perspective of our past pains. So all of a sudden, maybe you came out of a, a, uh, an abusive or a toxic relationship. Or maybe your, your spouse cheated on you, and now you see everything through those filters. Business deals, based on the past business deal, deals. And now, or people have lied to you and cheated you, and now you don't trust anybody because you expect everyone to lie and cheat. What's happening? The storm of the past is trying to shape our future perspective. So where we can literally be our own hindrance to the promise of what God has for us. Because God will open up opportunities, but he's not gonna donkey kick you through the door. He, he compels you, he invites you, he opens the door, he'll direct you, but you have to be willing to follow him. And say, okay, Lord, show me what to do, and I'm gonna walk through the door. But some of us are like, mm, I've seen that door before. That door looked like that one door from 1984. That was a painful door. I'm not going to go close to any door. I'm just going to stay where I'm at. And we'll, we'll solidify ourselves in the journey of life because the storms of the past have shaped the perspective of our future. I've seen people even in the church world, they'll, they'll begin to read the Bible and they'll begin to read it from the perspective of even suffering. Yeah. Everything's suffering. They don't, they don't, they'll take the verse, you know, that Jesus said, in this world you'll deal with trials and tribulations. But they'll, they'll not read on. It says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. See, they, they don't continue through. Why? Because they gravitate. They tell us even emotionally. This is an interesting thought. In the world of psychology, emotionally, that if a person, let's say in a situation, if a woman comes out of an abusive relationship, and if she doesn't allow herself, her soul part of herself, to receive healing and closure, without realizing it, she will be emotionally attracted to other abusers. Yes. She'll be at a, she could be in a room with a lot of people and be emotionally attracted to a person and think, oh, he's perfect. And not realizing the soul part of her is still is fragmented and hasn't been healed, and she's literally being attracted to an abusive person. Have you ever heard someone say, why am I always dating losers? <laughs> Don't point to somebody if you're with them right now. <laughs> Don't do that. It might not be a happy Thanksgiving for you this year. <laughs> but that's, that's what's happening, is they didn't go through a process of healing and closure, and so as a result, the storms of the past shape the perspective, and they're literally, their own emotional chemistry is working against them because they feel attracted to the wrong person and not the right person. So how do we make that change? How do we make that change? Because we don't want to be stuck. Nobody wants to be stuck. Nobody wants to see the future opportunities and start feeling the, the pressure of the last problem. Nobody wants to hear a phone ring and your heart sink. Have you ever had that happen? You get a text or email from your, your child's school and you're thinking, what do they do now? <laughs> I had something similar to that happen to me years ago. I had, uh, 
Kim and I had just gotten married. We were on our honeymoon. We were in Mexico, had an all-inclusive, and we're sitting on the beach, and it was in October, and I'm just watching, and they had like a sand dune out from the beach, I guess blocking the waves, so you had water that was still. And I, as I sat there in the sun, you know, I started thinking, I bet I can swim to that. Now, I hadn't swam in months, but I had swam before. I used to do a lot of swimming on, but I can, I can do that. And so I thought, I'm going to swim to that. So I started swimming. And as I'm swimming, you know, like anything else, if you haven't worked out in a while, what happens? You start. And so I'm getting out there, and I'm getting winded. And I'm like, oh, i got to keep pushing it. i got to keep pushing it. This is one of the things about us Bruce's. We're going to keep pushing it. We're going to keep pushing. We're going. We're going. We're going. We're not going to quit. And as I got there, I'm like almost halfway. Oh, I'm halfway now. Might as well keep on going. And I am hurting. I am like, am I even going to make it? I kept motivating myself, talking myself through it, relaxing, and just keep, keep moving, keep moving. And I finally get there only to find out it's not a sand dune. It was a metal thing, and I could not get on top of it. <laughs> O-N-G. I know some of you thought, you know, have you ever, when, when you're a teenager, you pray, Lord, I, know, I believe in the rapture, but don't let it happen until I get, you know I mean, get married and maybe have some family. I'm like, really, Jesus? I'm go- I get married, I'm going to die the next day. What's up with that? That is not good. Not good. And so now I got to swim all the way back, and I didn't even think I was going to make it to it. Right, right. And I'm doing everything. I did the backstroke. I did the side stroke. I did a doggy paddle. And I even contemplated screaming for help, but there was no one around. And I'm swimming, and I'm swimming, I'm swimming. And I'm obviously, some of you are thinking, did you make it? I could see somebody saying, quiet, quiet, I want to see if he survived. So, yes, I survived, I made it. But you know, the weirdest thing has happened, and I grew up swimming. I mean, just being in the pool all the time. But the craziest thing happened is that the next time I got in a pool and I started to swim, I had this uneasiness. And I was in a pool four feet deep, swimming laps, no big deal. But I had this subconscious thing. And, I, you know, for me, I'm like, no, I'm not going to live with this. You know, people in life, you deal with battles. And I thought, no, I'm, I love swimming. I love being in the water. I am not going to live with this uneasiness. It's like that sense of not panic, but kind of on that. Just, and it would just linger when I'm swimming. And so I thought, I refuse to go with that. So, I, you know, I prayed. I rebuked it. I spoke the word. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and sound mind. And then I found a gym that had a, swimming, a lap pool. And I started swimming every day. And you know what happened? I felt it. Second day, I still felt it. Third day, I still felt it. Every time, I mean, I'm in a four-foot lap pool. But I could just feel myself not being at rest, being uneasy. And I thought, I refuse to give in to this thing. And I just kept speaking the word, and I kept swimming. I kept speaking the word and binding and rebuking, and I kept swimming. And you know what happens? In the process, it left. But some of us, it's not a swimming thing. Some of us, we have learned to accommodate and adapt things that came from the storm of life. And it shaped the perspective of our lives. And we begin to navigate around. We create all these detours. God is saying, here you are. I'm going to take you to the promised land. But, oh, wait a minute. There's something you're dealing with that's forcing me to allow you to go around. Yeah. 
And what would have taken days has now taken you 40 years. I don't want to navigate. I want the shortest route. How many people like the shortest route to anything? How do, we, how do we go through the process and the journey of life and the battles of life? And when we come out of it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not only said when they threw them in the fiery furnace, not only did they come out of it with Jesus, but they didn't even smell like smoke. Right. Do you see my point? Because yes. I think some of us, we're good people, we love God, but we are still smelling like smoke. Right. We still smell from the storms we came out of. Still smelling from the attacks of the enemy that has, from years gone by. Yeah. And, I, I don't, that's, and I'm not saying that we're wrong. I'm just saying that we haven't reached all that God has for us. Right. That there's still more in store that you can believe to receive, Mark 11, 23, 24, and say, wait a minute. This is not my portion. This is not what God has for me. That God wants me to be at a different level. I don't need to smell like the smoke of the last fire I just came out of. Come on, somebody. Look to your neighbor and say, I don't need to smell like the smoke of the last fire. I don't need my heart dropping when the phone rings. I don't need to, out of my mouth saying, what happened now? When someone says, did you hear? I don't need to, and that's a human nature thing. What is it? That's the smoke of the last fire. We need to get back on track with God's perspective. The title of today's message is Resetting Your Reactions. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your mind, Amplified Translation, Colossians 3, verse 2, set your mind and keep focus habitually on things above, the heavenly things, not things on, that are on the earth which are not, which have only temporal value. Set your affection is the King James. Set your focus, you could say. Set your thoughts, your mind. I'm going to add this to it. Reset your mind. Reset your focus. Reset your focus. And it's not one time for us to get the smoke off our self, to, to not be shaped by our past. We have to learn to bring into alignment every thought to the obedience of God in Christ Jesus. Pull down strongholds, cast down imaginations, reasonings, and any high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of God in Christ Jesus. We've got to get our mind to line up with the Word of God. The whatsoever things are pure, holy, just, virtue, praise, if if, to think on these things. Set your mind and keep focused habitually. That means it's not a one-time day deal. You got to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. It's faith and patience we inherit. Say, so how long do I do it? Until you don't need to do it anymore. Romans 12, 2 tells us in the Amplified, do not be conformed to this world any longer with the superficial values and customs. But be transformed and progressively, that's the emphasis I want to bring here, and progressively changed. King James, be not conformed with this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be shaped by the experiences, be transformed and shaped by the truth. Amen. It's a progressive growth. Yes. I don't like progressive. Don't like the insurance company? Just joking. I don't know. I'm just joking. I don't know anything about the company. And if you walk out of here and you have progressive insurance, please don't cancel because of me. I'm just joking. Because progressive is a process. It's not a one step. It's an ongoing step. It's an ongoing step. I got to keep coming back to the word. I got to keep coming back into his presence. I got to keep coming back and do what God tells me to do. 
and be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Notice by doing this, we begin to understand and see clearly what God's will is for our lives, and that is a good will, the completion of that will. And not say, mm, I just don't know. And that, that, that opportunity, every time I, I know there's an opportunity for, uh, for advancement in my work, but I don't know if I want to apply for that because I heard of somebody or I experienced it, and last time I applied it was a rejection, and I don't think I can live with that anymore, and I just don't, what are we doing? We're allowing the past failures to shape us. This is very important because the truth of God is always timely in the moment, regardless of the past. Real quickly, remember the story of the widow woman that went to the prophet and she said, the, uh, my husband's died, left us in debt, and the creditors have come to take my sons. Remember that story? And Jesus said, what do you have? Uh, excuse me. The prophet said, what do you have? And she said, I have nothing but a little bit of oil. I love that, uh, that text because we did a whole message on oil in the streets. And so he said, take that, and I want you to go borrow a bunch of empty vessels and then come back. Now think about what he asked her to do. From the practical, she is in so much debt that they are foreclosing on everything and taking her children. And the word from heaven was, go borrow. That makes no sense to someone who's in debt. Because wait a minute, that debt got me in trouble in the first first point. Why am I going to go borrow? How do you borrow from somebody when they all know that there's creditors trying to take your kids? But this time it was a different time. Because this time it was a God instruction time. And it's not the past. Don't you let the past define your decision. Let the truth define your decision. Can I get an amen? Amen. Psalms 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. I'm going to stop there. For the Lord is good. Notice that again. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. So there's a process. When I begin to give God thanks, I am entering into, I'm moving into his presence. I'm going into his courts with praise and I'm giving thanks to him. And I'm praising his name for he is good. Say he's good. good. Say he's good. good. Come on, say shout. He's good. good. I want to close out with this. Now David is is writing this and he brings us into more clarification in a different Psalms. And have you heard this before? Psalms 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Have you ever heard this verse? Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. Now, the rabbis, some rabbis teach that in the context of what David was saying, it was in the framework that David had obtained the Ark of the Covenant and had a tent built. It became the house for God, the place for God's presence. Because in the Ark of the Covenant, what had happened is that that's where God's presence, his Shekinah glory would come. And only the high priest could go in once a year and offer up on the mercy seat the blood of a sacrificed lamb for the sins of the people. And some rabbis teach that what David was doing is because you, you were not supposed to just go in and start moving that piece of furniture around. There a story about them relocating it carefully and God showed them instruction and it started to fall and somebody reached out to touch it and died. So it was a, it's a real deal. God said, don't mess with my stuff. And some rabbis believe that what was happening is David would go in there and crawl under. Because it would be propped up and crawl under it. 
and be looking. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Because on above the mercy seat, above that covenant, would be fire representing the presence, the Shekinah of God. And David was so hungry for the presence of God that he thought, I'm going to take a little bit of risk here, actually a big risk, and I'm going to crawl in under it. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the... How do you get a shadow? There must be a source of light and there must be an object between you and that light. I shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Our thanksgiving and our praise has to be more than music. It has to be more than a part of a Sunday service or a service. It has to be our understanding that I'm going into the presence of God. And as I get into the presence of God, I'm going to begin. We did a whole series on dynamic declarations. When we get into the presence of God, we need to begin at that point, begin to understand that our praise and worship is just more than a song or a clap. It's literally beginning to declare, reflecting back to God who he is. We want the power, but heaven needs a reflection from earth. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What are we saying? I am a reflection of heaven. I'm a reflection. Because God has created the earth and put man over it through his own word. And he, Psalms 119, he has elevated his, his word above his name. He will not violate his own words. And when he created Adam, he didn't say, let us have dominion. He said, let Adam, let humanity have dominion. And so out of the dominion of heaven, he wants to bring into the earth. But there has to be people in the earth with that dominion of the earth reflecting back the dominion of heaven before the earth will see a difference. When God speaks, it must be received and reflected back. When God moves and directs, it must be received and reflected back. It's not doing your thing, it's doing his thing. Jesus said, anybody who enters the kingdom of Father must obey the will of the Father. What is he doing? He is sending out the instruction, and when we receive it and obey it, we are reflecting back. When we are speaking his word, what are we doing? We are re- saying, this is, what you are, this is who you are, this is what you are saying, and I am decreeing it back to you in praise. Amen. For you are good. Yes. Not because you feel good in the moment, because he is good at all times. Right. He doesn't change yesterday, today, or forever. Right. Notice it, it says, I will say of the Lord, yes. he is not going to be. Not was. He is. He is. You are. He is my refuge. That mind takes ownership. People say, oh, I believe God's a healer. I didn't ask you if you think or believe that he's a healer. I'm saying, do you believe that he is your healer? I will say of the Lord, he is my healer. I will say of the Lord, he is my deliverer. Take ownership. Take ownership. I get, when you get a revelation, you have ownership. And I'm not just saying, you're a great healer. I'm saying, you, you are my healer. I will say of the Lord, he is my healer. To bring that in the New Testament, Hebrews 3, 1 tells us, and it won't be on the screen, consider the high priest, Jesus Christ, the apostle and high priest of our faith. Notice, he is the high priest of our, the apostle high priest of our, King James's profession. Other translations says confession. Now, high priest was they stand between God and man. So the high priest would go to the, the, the holy place and offer up the, 
on the mercy seat, the blood. They, they would represent man to God. Jesus is not just a high priest. He is the great high priest. He is the great high priest. And there's so much stuff that I love about that teaching. Because when Jesus was on the earth, only one high priest could exist at a time. And only the high priest could offer up the sacrifice for the sins of the people. So Herod had to, who was at that time the high priest, he had to be nullified somehow for Jesus to step into the place of high priest so that he could offer his own blood on the cross, from the cross, for the sins of people. Do you get that? And if you look in the text, one of the things that the high priest would wear was a, was a seamless garment under their clothes. And when Herod said, are you the son of God? And he said, it is true. And it says that he ripped his clothes what did he do? He violated his position at the high, as a high priest at that time. This is the same clothing that was of such value that the Roman soldiers didn't want to tear it. They, they threw dice to get because of the value of it. Because right. only the high priest had it. So when he, okay, I, I went down a whole different rabbit hole. But <laughs> Easter, we'll talk more about that at Easter. Because there is so much stuff going on at that time when Jesus was on the earth. I will say the Lord. He is considered the apostle high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. And when we begin, as we get into the presence of God with thanksgiving and praise, and begin to say, Lord, I'm not going to even, I thank you for what you've done. But I'll, there is another level. I'm going to turn in and reflect you for what you said. And I'm going to begin to decree from your word who you are in my life. You are my savior. You are my healer. You know what happens? The Bible, according to Hebrews, says that he steps up. He's at the right hand of the Father. And he steps up and begins to intercede for you. Romans 8 34 who who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us what is he interceding as a high priest he stands in and says father I am their healer they are saying from the position of earth authority and they are speaking heaven's word and because they are speaking your word it's coming up and I'm the high priest for them today and and I'm saying father I'm their healer according to your word I'm their protector. Come on, somebody. Come on, come on. We, we think that we got to wait for it to show up before we speak it. I'm telling you, the key to unlock what God has for you is to begin, begin to get into his presence and begin to declare out of the ownership of his word, you are my deliverer. You are my healer. You are my savior. You are my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Do you see what David's doing? The Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I shall not want come on people we've been saying Lord you do it and I'll give you a a quick thank you some of us sometimes we act like little children and as parents we try to teach them right and you do something you say now what do you say oh yeah thank you and they move on And God's saying, I have so much more for you. But to activate it, to access it, you have to understand who I am in your life. Right. And I can't force you. I can't override your will. you got to be hungry. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be. David said in Psalms 103, in closing, this came in my heart the other day in one of the services at the very end while we're doing communion. 
But that verse still resides in me in the context of, have you ever ordered something and you go to pick it up? Maybe go through a drive-thru and you order one place and pay for it and you go to the next. What do you do? You check the bag to make sure that what you ordered and paid for is in your bag. Because nobody likes to get home after making a drive to pick up food for the family only to find out that you forgot someone's french fries. Come on, somebody. And they look at you and say, where's my fries? I don't know, but I am not going back. Right? What do we do? You typically, you say, oh, I'm just going to trust them. Or you say, no, I'm going to check the bag. Getting in the word, you're saying, I want to know what's, what's in my covenant with God. I want to know what's in the bag because I don't want to pull away out of the journey of life and say, oh, I didn't know I had that. Praise God, you'll get to heaven. But, you know, one of the things that could be a sad thing is when you get to heaven, God said, let me show you who I was available to be in your life. You mean I didn't have to deal with all those crazy people all the time? No. You mean I didn't have to struggle trying to make ends meet all the time? No. You mean I didn't have to be under all that pain and torment? No. I'm going to check the bag. I'm not checking your bag. You're in a different car. You've got to do your own checking. You start jumping in people's cars. So let me make sure what you order. It's, a, it's kind of weird. Right. Psalms 103, verse 2. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Psalms 103, 3. Who forgives all your sins. 1 John 1, 9, Matthew 6, 12, and Matthew 18, 21. Who forgives all our sins. So you know what that tells me? That he's our Savior. Yes. Folks, we've got to keep coming back. And this is where some people mess up, is they try to get, receive everything that God has for them without God. Right. It's all about Jesus. Amen. It's all about his sacrifice. It's all about him. Someone posted online, and I thought this was really cool, that when Jesus was on the cross, our Heavenly Father treated him as if he lived your life. So that when you get saved, he'll treat you as if you lived Jesus' life. You'll have to think about that a little bit. I had to ponder that a few moments. Wait a minute. So I'm the recipient of his obedience. So as a result, in my notes, I have, Jesus is my Savior. If you're saved, why don't you say it with me? Jesus, you are my Savior. Come on, look to heaven. Just close your eyes a moment and say, thank you for saving me. Jesus, you are my Savior. Some trust in chariots, some in horsemen, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Jesus, you are my Savior. Man, I want to make sure I have salvation in my life. I don't like to be out of joint with the presence of God. I don't like to be disconnected from God. No. Psalms 103, 3b. And heals you of all diseases. Corresponding verses would be Isaiah 53, 5, Exodus 15, 26, Proverbs 4, 22, 3 John 2, and James 5, 15. That's not even counting 1 Peter 2, 24. And so Jesus is my healer. Yes. Would you join with me today over the next few minutes, and let's just take 30 seconds, and let's out of our own mouth, while I'm hearing somebody say it. It's not good enough. Out of our own mouth, in the presence of God, amongst the the community of believers, begin to say, Jesus, you are my healer. Not because a doctor says it, not because my body says it, but because your word says it, you are my healer. Can you take a few seconds? Come on, we need to do this. We need to get, Jesus, you are my healer. It's all about Jesus. Jesus, you are my healer. We publicly, we vocally, we boldly say, Jesus, you are our healer. All health and life comes from you. 
By your stripes we were healed. Jesus, I praise you. We thank you that you are our healer. We thank you, Father God. We thank you that you are our healer. Psalms 103, verse 4, who redeems our life from the pit. Galatians 3, 13, Galatians 4, 5, verse Thessalonians 1, 10, and Revelation 5, 9, who delivers us. Jesus, you are my deliverer. The pit is the trap of the enemy. Some of us have been living around stuck to a trap that we've stepped into years ago, and we're dragging that trap around. We're trying to get away. We've still got the trap. But whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Amen. He is your deliverer. Yes. Say with me. Say, Jesus, Jesus is my deliverer. Is my deliverer. I will say of the Lord, He is my deliverer. Hallelujah. Walk the halls of your house, your condo, your apartment, whatever it might be. Begin to lift your hands and say, I thank you, Lord, that you are my deliverer today. You are my deliverer. Jesus is my deliverer. It's all about Jesus. I'm going to keep going back to the Word. It's all about His Word, and He is the Word. John 1, 1 and John 1, 14. Jesus, you are my deliverer. Yes. Shout, He's my deliverer. Yes. Hmm. Tell the devil, not today, devil. Not today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalms 103, verse 4. Who crowns you with loving who crowns you with love and compassion. Who crowns you with love and compassion. Who crowns you with love and compassion. Romans 5, 15, Romans 8, 39, and Titus 3, 4. Who crowns you with love and compassion. He's your comforter. And he sent the Holy Spirit to be the comforter. It's all in Jesus. Say, Jesus, thank you. You're my comforter. You're my shepherd. Last but not least, out of this verse, we'll stop here. Psalms 103, verse 5. Who satisfies your desires with good things. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. For everyone in the church world that tells you that God doesn't care about you being happy, he'll just give you the bare necessities to make it. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Mm. John 10, 10, Psalms 37, 4, Proverbs 10, 22, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, and Psalms 22, 23, 6, and Psalms 1, 12, 3. Jesus is your provider. The Lord is my shepherd. You want to change the environment? You got to walk in the hallways if you got bills that are past due and begin to walk the hallways and lift them up and say, Lord, I just thank you. What's in my hand is not what's important, that you are my provider. You are this, you are my provider. You are my shepherd. You are my El Shaddai. You are more than enough. Every need is met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. For when Jesus, when they, when Jesus, when they woke up Jesus in the boat, we're waking him up right now in our lives. Some of us, we've let that part of that area of our lives and let him sleep, and he's waiting to be awakened. But when they, disciples woke up Jesus in the boat and the storm, and they said, don't you care that we're about to die? They were allowing the winds of the storm to shape their perspective of the moment. 
And that's a tactic of the enemy to get you to think that God's doing it against you. God's trying to kill you or steal from you. No, no, John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And when they woke him up, he stood up against the opposition of the wind. So the winds are blowing against him. But something was stronger than the winds against him. Stay with me. Because when we look at the storm and the size and the magnitude, and we begin to articulate and framework our understanding by our past history, we begin to miss out because all of a sudden, think about this. All of a sudden, when Jesus stood up against the giant storm blowing against him, he released a wind stronger than the storm. Because you cannot speak without air. Are you saying, well, that air that was coming out to, to enunciate and to project that word is not that much powerful. But you don't understand the source of that air. Oh my God. For Jesus said, the words I speak are not my words of the Father. And the Holy Spirit, he didn't start his ministry without the Holy Spirit, who's the Ruach, the breath of God. So when you begin to say in the opposition of the wind that appears in the natural and temporal world to be overwhelming, all of a sudden you stand up in faith and having done all, stand, and you begin to speak, what you, and you begin to declare the word of God. What is happening when it's anointed, it's not the wind in your lungs, are you listening to me today, that is impacting the wind against your face. It's not the breath in your lungs that's changing the storm that's blowing against your life or blowing against your marriage or blowing against your finances. It's the wind of God that's back in that word that you begin to say I will say of the Lord he is and all of a sudden what seems to start out as natural breath in your lungs is also begins to be saturated by the breath of almighty God and Isaiah 55 11 says as his word goes forth out of his mouth it shall not return void it does not leave without breath it does not leave without the Holy Ghost it does not leave without the Ruach of God and when the breath of God is behind the word of God it is greater than the wind against you he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high God shall abide under the shadow of the almighty and in that shadow in the presence of God in the glory I will say of the Lord he is come on take the next 30 seconds and then give him a praise right where you're at who is he in your life who is he? Is he your savior? But is also he your healer, your provider, your deliverer, your comforter, your king, your shepherd? I will say of the Lord, I will say of the Lord, I will say of the Lord, a mouth that is not speaking is a mouth that's bringing brought to judgment. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. In him will I trust. David had learned in the presence of God that there's something about speaking who God is back to him. The power of his word, which impacts our life, impacts our life, impacts our life. It's the power of saying what God is saying back to him I will say of the Lord he is my refuge do you know the Bible says that Jesus when he was going to the cross that he did not speak here's the power of this on the flip side they could not take Jesus you have to understand that history has tried to find out and blame 
Who are the people that crucified Jesus? They could not crucify him. Jesus said that no man takes my life from me. I have to lay it down willingly. Yeah. <laughs> the Old Testament prophecy said that literally he had to be quiet so he could be led into judgment. I mean, when they came to find him, they said, who are you looking? And Jesus said, who are you looking for? They said, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. Those soldiers fell back. You don't need a gun when you got that kind of power. Oh. Uh, so powerful that every time they tried to take him, the Bible says that he would pass through them. That's why I, I don't want to go down too much. We're out of time. Uh, that, that's what I believe. Are you I believe that Judas was deceived. But Judas thought in his mind, because he was the treasurer, he thought that he could take money and when it was coming to accounting day, that he could fill up the gap that he had taken by selling Jesus to the enemies. But he never thought they could take him. He thought, I'll get the money. I've seen it before. They'll try to get him, and he'll just walk right past them. They will never touch him. Why? Because when they took Jesus, and he allowed them to take him, what did Judas go do? He went and hung himself. You don't hang yourself for when what your evil plans are fulfilled. He walked with so much power that they could not touch him. They tried to throw him off the cliff. He just walked right through him. He began to speak a word and they'd fall back. And Judas had to figure out how to manipulate what God was doing. He misunderstood what was happening. They could, Jesus said, they cannot take my life. I lay it down. He laid it down by not speaking. Because he even told the disciples, don't weep for me. Don't you realize I could ask the Father for angels and he would send them immediately. What was he saying? All I need to do is open my mouth and begin to speak to the Father. Oh, my God. All I need to do is begin to open my mouth and begin to have a conversation with my Father. All I need, when the devil tells you you're going under, say, not today, devil. All I need to do is open up my mouth and begin to talk to my Father. Don't you understand? The moment I speak what he is saying, the moment I speak the word that's released by the anointing of the Spirit of God, the moment I speak it, something happens. Even in the moments before I can get out of this. They don't hold me. I allow them to hold me. And I allow them to hold me in judgment by keeping my mouth closed. You better learn to open that mouth. We've grown up and been told to shut our mouth. We've been told by parents, teachers, principals, you need to be quiet more. But you got to learn to open your mouth a little more, I'm telling you. you got to learn to speak it out. you got to begin to say, I'm going to talk to my Father. I'm going to get in the presence of God. I know they're trying to foreclose. I know they're trying to take the house. I know they're trying to do that bad doctor report. But say, wait a minute. I'm not going to fall to the pressure. I'm going to get in the presence. And I'm going to begin to speak what God has already said. I'm going to reflect back His Word. You are You are my healer. You are my deliverer. You are my God and you I will trust and nobody will be able to stop you. Hallelujah! The God you serve is bigger than that problem. 
He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say, begin to say, begin to speak, begin to release out of your mouth what God's been saying. Well, I don't feel anything. It's not overnight, baby. You got to keep doing it till that becomes alive in your heart and your spirit. I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge, my fortress, my high tower. Woo! What do you say? You know what we do? We get in the trap of being shaped by the storms of the fire and smelling like smoke. And we'll walk around and go, yeah, you know what? I remember I was hurting so bad 17 years ago when that... When they betrayed me and stabbed me in the back, let it go. Get the smoke off your clothes. Reset your reaction by refocusing your mind and begin to say what God is saying. Are you with me today? Are you with me today? Are you with? I'm telling you, this will change your life. I will say to the Lord. Drive down the highway. Turn the radio off of it and begin to drive down the highway. Said, Lord, I thank you, Father God. I just begin to decree. I'm in your presence by the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to begin to say who you are. You are my healer. Hallelujah. Say, thank you, Jesus. Come on, give the Lord. Take 30 seconds. Give him the loudest praise. We're done. Hallelujah. 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 I call you blessed today because he is your shepherd, your provider. I call you the healed of the Lord today because he is your healer. I call you free from all torment and attacks of me because he is your deliverer. I call you safe and at peace because he is your comforter. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. We praise your name. We praise your name. If you'd be so kind to bow your head and close your eyes with no one looking around. If you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Wait, 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 wait. No, the Holy Spirit said no, that's not right yet. He's still working on somebody. Come on. Well, I'm going to follow him. I don't care what I look like. I don't know who you are. There's probably more than one. You just stay in the presence of God right now. We'll, we'll just, hallelujah. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you that you're doing a work right now in people's lives. Thank you. You're changing their hearts, changing perspectives, changing situations. Father, I just ask that when they get back to work, that that environment will have been changed already before they get there. I thank you that you're working behind the scenes with them not even realizing it. I thank you when they go back and look again. I thank you when they go back and look again. 
Hallelujah. Elijah said to the, to the winds, it's time for rain. And then he sent his servant, go check to see if there's rain. And he came back and said, nothing. He said, go look again. He came back and said, nothing. Go look again. He came back and said, I see a little cloud the size of a man. He said, that's all I need. I need you to keep looking until you see what God is doing. I'm going to encourage you. Keep looking back to the word of God. Stick with it. Keep looking. Keep looking. Keep declaring. Don't let time be the factor of your world. Begin to let the destiny of God be the factor and director of your world. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost. You are our healer. You are our deliverer. You are our comfort. You are our peace, our joy. You are our wisdom. We have wisdom and insight in every situation because you are our wisdom. You've been made wisdom unto us. You are our shepherd. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we pause even in this moment. We thank you for your presence. We surrender everything to you. I surrender all. Sing that with me, will you? All to you, my blessed Savior. I Sing it again, casting your cares upon him for he cares for you. Sing it. I surrender all. There's none like you, Jesus. There's none like you. I Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking if you know about God. Is Jesus real to you in a way that you know and understand in your own experience? If you don't know, this is your moment. This is your day. This is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Revelation 3, Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open up, I'll come in. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I'm going to lead you in a simple, short prayer. But let it come from your heart if you want to know him. If you're ready to have that sin dealt with, the past dealt with, the weight over your life dealt with, and you're ready to know that you're right with God and that you're going to heaven and not hell. Repeat this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father. I repent of all my sins. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came to this earth, 
in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me. Because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I open up the door of my heart and life, and I invite you in to be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.